Hey, welcome. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, great to have you with us. Welcome to River Glen. I want to welcome everybody here in Waukesha, everybody joining us on the other side of the camera in Pewaukee, and those of you joining us online, uh, welcome, wherever, whatever uh, your location. Uh, my name is Ben. If, uh, if today's your first time, a special welcome uh, to you. Uh, I'm one of the uh, pastors here, and I know when you attend church for the first time that uh, you might feel nervous, you know, you might feel like people are looking at you and, you know, judging you for what you wear. And uh, I want you to know that you, you can relax. It, it doesn't matter, you know, how you look. It doesn't matter, you know, what you're wearing as long as you're not decked out in Toronto Raptor gear, okay? No one's going to judge you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, people in Toronto need Jesus uh, uh, too. And, uh, but no matter what campus you're at, I want you to know that you're surrounded by some of the most accepting people on the uh, planet, and uh, we're just grateful to have you with us uh, today. And uh, I want to invite you back. I want to invite everybody back next weekend. It's going to be a special weekend. We're calling it Thank You Weekend, and we've been working on this behind the scenes for a long, long time. Next weekend, we are going to appreciate and thank all of our volunteers. We have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. We couldn't, we couldn't do it without them. We couldn't do what God's called us to do without all of our uh, volunteers. And so it's going to be like a party next weekend. We're going to have sub sandwiches in the lobby for everybody. I've seen some of the creative elements. Our team's been working on these for a long time. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you don't want to miss next weekend. And then in two weeks, we're launching a new series called At the Movies. Anybody been to one of our At the Movies series before? We've done this a few times. Yeah, it is uh, one of those popular and impactful series as we unpack Bible truths from blockbuster movies, free popcorn, and uh, more. And so you don't want to miss uh, that. Today we're going to wrap up a series called I Believe in God, But, because according to Gallup survey, 90% of Americans uh, believe in God, but for many of them and for many of us, there's a but. There's a question, an obstacle, a, a doubt that holds us back. But maybe today, uh, as we wrap up this series where we have really uh, dug in and, and, and explored uh, and, and dealt with uh, explanations for these questions and, and, and doubts. Maybe you're ready to set them aside or just step over them and recommit your life to following Jesus or for some of you making a first-time commitment uh, to Jesus. I mean, we, we, have, uh, we actually have several people, a bunch of people getting baptized in this service. We've uh, baptized a bunch of people already uh, this uh, weekend. Uh, I, I think nine people we've baptized already. And it's been a great year for baptisms. We have baptized over 70 people this year. And our team, yeah. Take a look at a few of them.
Yeah, it's great to celebrate baptisms. I love uh, baptisms, love baptism weekends. Last night, I got to baptize a friend named Dave who uh, was in our rooted group, and uh, that was just especially meaningful uh, to me. Love baptisms. Now, maybe you walked in today and you didn't even know, you know, it's baptism uh, a weekend. And I want to let you know, if you feel, you know, a nudge, if you feel uh, a pull to get uh, baptized uh, today, you know, that's God. And uh, we, got, we got room for you. We're all set. We got the baptistry. It's right over here. We got that thing uh, filled up and heated up. We got everything that you need. It's real, it's real simple. And um, we would love to baptize you uh, today. I'll tell you more about that uh, later on. But first, I want to address another obstacle that I bet all of us have thought about. Today's message is for everybody, for believers, uh, non-believers, because I think all of us can relate to this obstacle. I believe in God, but I just want to have fun. Have you heard this one uh, before? Maybe a young person, maybe you've heard a young person say something like, I'll get serious about my faith after I graduate college and I get married and I get settled down and uh, then then I'll get serious about my faith. I'll start going to church. But until then, I just want to have fun. Now, most of us probably don't come out and say that, you know, as direct as that. But we might uh, think that because a lot of people have this idea that God is all about rules and laws. Maybe you think that way. Maybe you think God has got all these rules and laws and many of them are outdated. I don't know if you realize that uh, we have many outdated laws in the United States. I googled outdated laws and all kinds of, some of them are kind of crazy and uh, wacky. I want to show you a few of these. This first one is actually in Wisconsin. Did you know that we have a law about butter in Wisconsin? It is illegal uh, to serve butter substitute, real laws uh, in uh, in a public uh, eating uh, place, unless somebody uh, orders it, specifically uh, requests it. And if you break the butter law, uh, you can go to prison for up to nine months. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. This one's kind of crazy. Real law in Alabama. It's against the law to wear a fake mustache in church that causes uh, laughter. Now, if you have a real mustache that causes laughter, that's fine. If you have a fake one that's kind of serious and somber, uh, no problem. But don't you wear a fake one that causes laughter or you might go to jail in Alabama. Here's one. In Alaska, it's illegal to wake up a sleeping bear for a photo op. I think that's a good one. I don't think that one's outdated. Okay, and uh, one more, in Oklahoma, it's illegal to have a sleeping donkey in your bathtub after 7 p.m. If it's before 7 p.m. and the donkey's tired, let the donkey sleep, but maybe set that alarm, or you could get in big trouble if you live in the state of uh, Oklahoma. Now, we smile and we laugh because we know these are ridiculous. They're not applicable. Uh, They're no longer, you know, uh, relevant. And you know what? That's how many people, that's how some people view God's laws as outdated, irrelevant, no longer applicable. They exist to just kind of spoil our fun and restrict our our pleasure. Let's be honest. That's how how some people uh, think. People say, I know the Bible has some things to say about sexual purity. But, you know, we live in a culture that's more progressive uh, today. And uh, as long as you're not hurting another person, you know, you should be able to sleep with whoever you want whenever you want, and, and to think otherwise, uh, any rule that says otherwise is about as outdated as a donkey, a law about a donkey sleeping in a bathtub. Some people think the rules of Christianity are ridiculous and more fun to break than to follow, which isn't surprising if you think about it, because we live in probably the most sexually driven culture 
in all of, of history. And I'm not surprised that someone is not thrilled when they read a verse in the Bible written thousands of years ago that says it would be better to wait. And uh, maybe that's where you're at today. You'd say, I believe in God, but I'm in high school or I'm in college. And you're only in college, you know, once. And I don't want to miss out on the college experience. I don't want to miss out on the fun and the partying. You know, others of us might say, I'm in a different I'm in a different season because as you grow older, as you mature into adulthood, maybe the party scene doesn't hold as much allure uh, for you. But that doesn't mean that you want to stop having fun. Our definition of fun changes as we get older. For some of us, it's more about comfort and indulgence. It's about drink and food and travel and season tickets. It's about experiences. Others of us will say, for me, it's about success. It's about growing my business. It's about making more money. That's a form of fun. For others, it's their kids and their achievements in school or sports. Here's a phrase to describe this. How would you fill in this blank? If I could have blank, then I would be happy. You know, as you look at your life, you know, where do you go? You know, I want that. You know, that looks fun. That looks pleasurable. If I could just have that, then I would be happy. What is that? Uh, for you. Now, now, here's where it gets a little tricky because these things are not necessarily illegal or sinful. I mean, you know, there's nothing sinful about having a condo on the beach, nothing sinful about having a successful business or having a child who does well in school. None of these are sinful or illegal, but the danger comes when we love these things more than we should. And that brings us to the scripture that I want to teach through uh, today. It comes from a little book in the New Testament called 1 John. But before I read it, I want you to know John wrote this book. It's actually a letter. He wrote this to area churches because he loved these people. And he wanted the best life possible for them. Take a look at what he says here in the second chapter of 1 John. He says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. Now, if you think about it, there's a contra- that looks contradictory. It looks contradictory on the surface. Last weekend, Don Rowe gave a message. He talked about John 3.16, which says God loves the world. God loves the world. Now here it says, John says, don't love the world. I mean, which, way, which way is it? It's confusing, isn't it? But it's not really a contradiction because the writers of the New Testament would use the term world in three ways. Three different definitions of the word world. They would talk about the, the, the physical world, the planet Earth. The physical world. Number two, they would talk about the people of the world. Okay, that's what, that's what, that's what John means in, in John 3.16. For God so loved the people of the world. And then third, it talks about the world's way of thinking. The messed up ways of the world. The God-rejecting ways of the world. And, and, and that's what this verse refers to in 1 John. The world's messed up way of thinking. And uh, John makes that clear in the next verse. He says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from uh, this world. Now, notice this word craving, okay? This is more than desire. Desires are good. I mean, desires are from God. Desires are a gift from God. But those desires, they can get out of control. And they can turn into a craving, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, which would be possessions. You know, I see that. I want that. 
I need that. And then pride in our achievements and our possessions. John says these cravings come from the world, not from God. I'm going to call these cravings the three Ps. Pleasure, possessions, and pride. Isn't it interesting? John wrote this 2,000 years ago, and he pinpoints exactly how our culture today defines fun. Our culture says, if you can have physical pleasure, you know, a certain feeling in your body, if you can have possessions, nicer things, bigger house, better cars, if you could take pride in your life where other people notice you and admire you, that's fun. This is how the world defines fun. Pleasure, possessions, and pride. But here's what I want to argue today. I want to argue that a relationship with God is fun. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but, but obeying God will bring the greatest pleasure in your life because godly pleasures are more satisfying than worldly pleasures. And, and, and for those who say, you know, I, I believe in God, but I just want to have fun, I would say that you have bought into a, the world's definition of fun, which is warped, not fun. And it can lead to destruction in your life because you can, have, you can have pleasure, possessions, and pride, and you can lay down and go to bed at night and feel dissatisfied and empty. Here's the first reason the world's definition of fun will leave you empty because worldly pleasure is deceptive. I think it's important for us to think about this and, and to talk about it because nobody talks about the consequences of worldly pleasure. Or, or the, the consequences of sin. People say, uh, let's go out and party. Let's go out and party. They don't say, let's go out and drink too much. And then we can uh, puke into the toilet. And then we can wake up in the morning and feel nauseous and have a headache and pretty much waste the, the next uh, day. No, 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 nobody says that. They just say, let's go out and, and party. Or people say, let's go out and meet someone and hook up. They don't say, let's go meet someone and hook up, and then in the middle of the night, you can uh, wake up and quietly slip out of bed and, and get, get dressed and, and walk out the door going, I don't even think I know who that person is. And they don't tell you about the shame you might feel in that moment. They don't tell you about the separation from God that you might feel in that uh, moment. Uh, nobody talks about the consequences of worldly uh, pleasure. It's just, you know, let's go out and party. Let's go out and find someone and hook up. Now, some pastors will go so far as to say sin is not fun. You know, worldly uh, pleasure is not fun. But I am not one of those pastors. I believe sin is fun. That's why people do it. Sin is booming because it's fun to do. You know, take a look at this verse. It's an interesting verse about Moses that actually acknowledges that sin is fun. Look how it describes Moses. It says, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Notice that phrase, pleasures of sin. Sin is pleasurable. Sin is, is, is fun. That's why people do it. Even something as silly as gossip. I mean, I don't know why, but it's kind of fun to talk about somebody that way. But notice the adjective here that gets attached to the phrase pleasures of sin. They're, they're, they're called fleeting. See that? It's fleeting. The pleasure of sin is fleeting. The pleasure doesn't last. I tried to think of a way to uh, illustrate this for you, and uh, here's what I came up with. I like to go out and eat at uh, Taco Bell. Yeah, anybody else like Taco Bell? Anybody enjoy going to Taco Bell? Oh, yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah, quite a few of us. I like to go to Taco Bell. I'll order this meal. It comes with a taco. 
and uh, I'll wipe that out. And then it comes with the uh, Nacho Bell Grande. And uh, I love this. It's uh, chips, tortilla chips, meat, beans, uh, cheese, and tomatoes and sour cream. And I like to go, I like to do extra. I get the jalapenos and I cover it with slices of jalapeno peppers. And I take a bunch of the hot sauce and I drizzle hot sauce all, all over it. I mean, it's very pleasurable uh, to eat. But uh, it is a fleeting pleasure because uh, two hours later, 20 minutes later, two minutes later, I'm going, oh, man, why did I do that? You know, why did I eat Taco Bell? I don't feel very good um, any, anymore. Sin is like eating Taco Bell. <laughs> it's enjoyable at first, right? But it's fleeting. 20 minutes later... Two hours later, two days later, you know, I'm going, why did I do that? I don't feel good about that anymore. And so here's the question to ask yourself. Is this momentary pleasure, does it outweigh the future pain? Never does. One author calls this playing the movie forward. Ask yourself, how's this going to end? It might feel good to date that person. feels good to be with somebody. Maybe other people like this person. But do you want to be emotionally attached to that person? Later on, look at the images on your computer. It might make you feel good, but do you want to store those images in your memory bank, in your brain, and take them into marriage? It might be fun now. It's not going to be fun later on. Now, I need to qualify this and say that God's not against pleasure. You know, some people think, you know, thou shalt not smile or have a good time is a verse in the Bible. That's not who God is. Uh, and I can prove it to you. Think about this. Why did God give, give us taste buds? Why did God give you taste buds? Are taste buds necessary? To eat and sustain your body? No, no. God gave them to you because he wants you to enjoy the pleasure of eating food. Same thing with sexual intimacy. Why did God create sexual intimacy to feel pleasurable? Is it necessary to procreate and populate the earth? No, no. God, God, God made sexual intimacy pleasurable because he wants you to enjoy the union with your spouse. God is not anti-pleasure. God created pleasure for you to enjoy. But here's the truth. Pleasure is not God's purpose. It's not God's ultimate purpose. I mean, if life was all about pleasure, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. I mean, he would have gone to the beach and uh, we would wear necklaces with Jesus, you know, laying back on a beach chair, wearing sunglasses. It would have changed everything. But Jesus was not all about Pleasure. In fact, there was a time when Jesus, as he traveled, he had an adoring crowd following him around. Think about that. How good would it feel to have a crowd of people following you who just love you and adore you? But Jesus leaves the adoring crowd and he gets in a boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, and he goes across the Sea of Galilee to meet a demon possessed man. Who does that? Who leaves an adoring crowd in the middle of the night and fights a terrible storm? to meet a demon-possessed uh, man. Jesus did that, and here's why. Because Jesus didn't pursue his own pleasure. He pursued other people's pain. What, what, what about you? Are you the kind of person who gets caught up in your own pleasure? Or are you the kind of person who says, God has a purpose for my life to, to use me to help other people who are in, in pain? Here's a secret for you. If you pursue pleasure first in your life, you'll have very little pleasure and very little purpose. But if you pursue purpose first, you will enjoy purpose and pleasure as well. But the world never tells you that because, tells you that secret because worldly uh, pleasure is deceptive. Here's another reason 
why you can have pleasure and possessions and, and pride and still feel empty. It's because worldly possessions don't last. John says, do not love the world. Don't love the world's way of thinking. And then in the next verse, for all that is in the world, the desire for physical pleasures. And then he says, the desire for everything that we see. He's talking about possessions here. You know, I see that. I want that. I got to have that to be happy in my life right now. But the truth is worldly possessions, they don't last. Author Randy Alcorn has a great quote about this. It's kind of a classic quote. He says, you never see a hearse following a U-Haul. It's a classic uh, quote. But then somebody posted this picture on uh, Facebook and uh, kind of proved Randy uh, wrong, but I think you still get the uh, point. It's still an excellent uh, point uh, because if you go to the doctor and find out you've got a couple weeks to live, you don't go home and start making a list of all the things that you want to store so that you can take them with you to heaven. Uh, you don't take anything uh, with you. John Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. And when he passed away, they asked his accountant, how much money did Rockefeller leave behind? And without missing a beat, the accountant said he left all of it. Because you don't take anything with you. That's why John says in the next verse, this world's fading away along with everything that people crave. But whoever does what pleases God will live forever. In other words, worldly possessions don't last. But here's what will last, your relationships with God first and with other people. That's why Jesus said, love God and love other people. I've enjoyed uh, participating in many weddings over the years. I love to, to be part of uh, weddings. Last fall, I got to, uh, for the first time, uh, be part of a wedding as a parent. Yeah, our daughter, Taylor, uh, got married to her husband, uh, John. And it surprised me uh, just how much I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a beautiful day. It felt like much more than just an event. It felt like a celebration of God, a celebration of Taylor and John's life with our family and with our friends. It was an awesome day. It was an awesome celebration. One of the best days of my life. But what if, what if I would have had an affair uh, years ago? What if I would have said, I want that pleasure? Or what if I worked so much and focused so much on making more money and acquiring more stuff that I no longer lived with my wife and my kids? I would have destroyed my family. And uh, we would have missed on, missed out on one of the greatest experiences, one of the greatest uh, celebrations of our life. Because worldly possessions and worldly uh, pleasures, they, they do not last. And they can do uh, irreparable uh, damage. But what will last is your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Third reason you can have everything this world has to offer and still feel empty is this. Worldly pride isn't enough. Mm -mm. Look at what John says. Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. Uh, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures and a craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievement and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from uh, the world. What is pride? What is worldly pride? It's wanting other people to notice you and wanting other people to admire you. And like possessions and pleasure, this is not necessarily wrong, okay? It's not a bad thing to want people to notice you and admire you. It's just not a good ultimate thing. When Tom Brady, quarterback for the New England Patriots, won his third Super Bowl, people had already started comparing him to the greatest quarterbacks in, in the NFL. But afterwards, 60 Minutes interviewed him. And uh, look what Tom Brady said. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still feel like there's something greater out there for me? 
He said, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, uh, this is uh, what it is. You know, this is it. This is life. You've got, you got money. You've got the rings. You've got success. You've got people that ad- admire you. He says, I've reached my goal, my dream. My life is complete. Me, I think there's got to be more than this. And the uh, interviewer asked him, what do, you, what do you think it is? And Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. You ever felt that way before? I mean, everything's going well in, in your life. You know, your company's thriving. Your, your, your job is, your, your income is increasing. And uh, you're, you're experiencing more success than maybe you ever imagined. Other people, other people say, you look great. People notice you, people admire you, but something inside you says there's got to be more than this. The reason is because of what John says in the next verse. He says, the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. See, worldly pride can take on many forms. For some of us, it might be our appearance. I, I, you know, I put effort and time and energy into my body. I want other people to notice and admire my appearance. Some of us, it might be our home. You know, I want other people to notice and ad- admire my, my house, my home, and how well I decorate it, how clean I, I keep it. Others of us would say, it's my kids. I want my kids to achieve a high level in sports or school because it's a good reflection on me. Everybody struggles in some way with worldly pride. But ask yourself, 10 years from now, a thousand years from now, is it going to matter the appearance of your house, whether your child gets a hit or strikes out, is it going to matter? Now, having a healthy body is a, a good thing. Having a clean house is a good thing. Having high-achieving kids. I think if we had to choose between high-achieving or underachieving kids, we'd go with high-achieving. None of those are bad things, but it is so important to remember that this world and its desires are passing away. Part of the problem is the difference between fun and fulfilling. Have you discovered the difference between fun and fulfilling? Wasting time online is fun. Uh, Reading scripture and hearing from God and having God direct your life, that's fulfilling. Sin is fun. Sin's not very fulfilling. Having an affair is fun. 25 years or more of marriage is fulfilling. Buying something for yourself, that's fun. Giving something to someone in need is very uh, fulfilling. Let me ask you, is, is your life fulfilling or is it just fun? Have you discovered that God has so much more for you than pleasure, possessions, and, and pride? And so here's what I want you to do. If you follow Jesus, I want you to evaluate your life a little bit today. Maybe there's an area in your life where pleasure, possessions, and pride are getting a little bit out of control. Maybe there's a sinful pleasure in your life and you just can't imagine giving it up. But I got to tell you, that is a fleeting pleasure. And you need to give it up because God has so much more for you. Others of us, maybe we fill up our summer calendar with trips, events, parties, activities, experiences, and you'll have fun this summer, and, 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 and that's, that's fine, but where are you going to learn about your purpose in life and how to live a fulfilling kind of life? You learn those things in church by staying connected and hearing from God. Or it might be your relationships. Maybe you, you'd say, I've got friends on social media. I've got friends at work. I've got friends at the gym, but I don't have a friend that I can talk to about God. 
I don't have a friend that'll pray for me. I don't have a friend that I can really open up to and tell them how I'm really doing. If that's you, I want to encourage you after the service, stop off at the group link tables and, and just go up to the leaders there and say, help me find a group of people. We're starting some brand new groups uh, this summer, some great opportunities for you to get uh, connected. Uh, several of us, many of us, I- experienced a, a, a new small group recently called Rooted, where we made some new friends. Several months ago in Rooted, I heard uh, Ellie Diedrich share her story. Ellie serves as a resident on our staff, and uh, she agreed to share her story. So take a look at the screens. Hi, my name is Ellie, and I have been attending River Glen for 11 years now. My life has taken many different twists and turns, and when I was a sophomore in high school, I was facing a lot of self-doubt, insecurities, anger, and sadness, and um, my faith was beginning to become an actual faith where I was living it out, and I remember one night I came home to my mom and I just wept in front of her and said, Mom, like, I need something to change. This life that I'm living right now is not fulfilling. And so that next weekend, um, I attended our high school ministry, um, which is called SLIFE, and Brandon Stevenson baptized me that night. That was kind of the the turning point of my life. Um, Fun used to have a completely different meaning to me. I used to pour myself into a lot of the wrong things, wrong relationships, um, just things that I shouldn't have been involved in. And now knowing God and and knowing my faith has become stronger um, over the past couple of years, um, fun has a completely different meaning. I find myself being more joyful, being full of joy, finding joy in the hard times in my life um, because I still face those times. I still face mistakes that I've made and the consequences, but at the end of the day, um, it is rooted in joy and the love and the trust that I have in God, so it just makes life more fun overall. I have had different opportunities to serve in Haiti, um, to just meet new people from different places that I call some of my closest friends now. And I think it's just so much fun and the opportunities that God has blessed me with um, has truly changed my life and has changed my faith. Last year around spring break time, I was actually in Pennsylvania um, to support Brandon in launching his new church and I'm at my friend's house in Pennsylvania and my dad calls me and he's like really serious voice. He's like, hey, me and your mom have made this decision and we want you and your sister to be a part of it. And I was like, okay, what, what is it? He's like, oh, we want you to um, baptize me and your mom. And me and my sister were able to baptize my parents um, on August 4th last summer. So it was a really cool experience that um, we all got to share together. Something that's really humbling to me that I serve a God and I love a God that that doesn't hold me to my past. Um, And that just brings me so much joy because knowing that that God loves me no matter what my past says about me, I don't have to live to try to make up for my past. Um, I can just live present um, with God and that's awesome. Isn't that a great story? Yeah. Man, if, I, I think you can tell on the video, and if you're around Ellie, she just has a, a joy and just a sense of, of fulfillment about her. And how cool is that, that she got to baptize uh, her parents last uh, summer. I don't know if you picked this up, but when Ellie talked about her own baptism, she referred to it as a turning point in her life. And maybe some of you are ready to experience this turning point in your life. Maybe this series has helped you deal with some questions, some doubts, some obstacles, and you're ready 
to just kind of shove those aside, put those aside, and make a commitment to follow Jesus by taking the step of uh, baptism. Sometimes people fall into a trap. And they, they fall into this thinking that baptism is something I should do later on. You know, after I get my life uh, together, after I get my life cleaned up. That's not true. Baptism is initiation, not graduation. Let's say that again. Baptism is initiation, not graduation. It's the first step of following uh, Jesus. And uh, I loved uh, that video we showed earlier of all those people getting baptized. You could just see the, the joy and the uh, fulfillment on the faces of the people. And so for those who say, I believe in God, but I just want to have fun, I say, great. And, uh, you know, I want to invite you to come and experience the greatest adventure in life, the greatest source of fun and fulfillment that comes from knowing your creator and living out his purpose in your life. Look at this verse from Psalm, Psalm 37. says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, find pleasure and joy in a relationship with God. And God promises that he will satisfy those deep desires in your heart. So many of us have these desires for pleasure, for possessions, for pride. And uh, God says, if you'll delight yourself in me, the rest of your life will fall in place. And you'll have great joy and fulfillment and purpose, and even fun. And so as we wrap up this uh, series today and uh, celebrate baptisms, I want to ask uh, all of you here in Waukesha and uh, in Pewaukee, would you please stand with me? Would you go ahead and, and stand up uh, with me? And uh, we're going to put a statement of faith on the screen here. And I'm going to invite you to say these words, to repeat these words after me if you believe them. For some of you, this is a recommitment of your life to following Jesus. For others of you, this might be the first time that you have verbalized yeah, your faith in Jesus. And so you ready? I believe that Jesus died for my sin and raised from the dead. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Oh, those are the greatest words that you can say. And if you believe those words, you're ready for baptism. I'm gonna pray for us and I wanna ask you to stay standing during this next song. And if you feel, you know, a nudge, if you feel, a, you know, pulled to take the step of baptism, uh, that's God. And today could be a turning point in your life, a defining moment in your, in your life. And uh, I know it takes courage to get baptized in front of people, but I'm telling you that everybody here will cheer for you. They'll applaud for you because you're making the best decision in your life. And uh, it's really simple. And and so if you uh, have already signed up for baptism or maybe you're just deciding right now to get uh, baptized, we've got everything that you need, all the, all the clothing, the towels. We've got changing, private changing areas. You get a really cool shirt that you get to keep. It's real simple. During this song, just make your way to the aisle, head to the lobby. We've got a team of people right in the middle of the uh, lobby. And they'll help you begin the process. And uh, a little bit later on in the service, uh, we'll baptize uh, you. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for making a way for every one of us to find purpose and joy and fulfillment and even fun in a relationship with you. God, thank you for so many people responding this weekend and how we're never too old, it's never too late. But God, I know we probably have people with us today who have come to believe in Jesus and have yet to take the step of baptism. God, give them that nudge, that extra courage today.
move in their lives to take this important step and say yes to this command that Jesus gave to every person who decides to follow him. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.